0: At the end of last episode, we were talking about learning resources online. Tom, you were mentioning something about it. Yeah, so we were in that episode, we were talking about tools, but I got distracted and
1: tried to sort of went down a rabbit hole of wanting to talk about the people and the online resources
0: that I've found essential. They're an essential part of my process. And I think you kind of wanted to start talking about it, but felt that maybe there was too much to talk about just kind of squeeze into the end of that, that episode Yep, yeah, it definitely deserves an episode to itself um, and this is I think more so
1: than the physical and software tools that I've used uh, this is the topic
0: that has had the biggest impact on my career and how I've learned Our question this week is, where do you learn? Or what learning materials do you use is probably a better way of phrasing it.
1: I think where do you learn is a nice sort of snappy title. And we just make sure that we explain that we're not talking about physical locations. We're not talking about a school or or your office. We're talking about uh, resources online. I think this is going to be a really useful episode for other people who are at, at the early stage of their journey looking around because... I found it very useful when people give lists of the things that they've, the places they've learned.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking forward to hearing, hopefully, some new things from you that I can take away and help on my learning experience as well. And I
1: imagine you'll have some to chip in as well from the Python world because most mine are
0: mine are all very much front end focused. Yeah, that's good. And maybe I, I've got some that are more broad ranging than just a specific language, so more about hmm. uh, just thinking com- computationally as well. But I don't know if you've ever had an experience of. Just broader courses than maybe just a specific language?
1: Yeah, definitely. There's the sort of things that talk about sort of broader concepts are really useful. To get straight into it, one of the first thing on my list is is books. I've prepared a list of resources that I've used in the past, kind of in reverse order of usefulness. So they're all useful, but of them, the first one, books, are the least useful. And then as we go through the episode, they'll be getting more useful. Um, and books, are, they're good. They don't always suit the way I learn, though. Um, I'd like to learn with a keyboard in front of me and actually be doing stuff. And it's not until I've done something that I've really kind of, I feel like I've mastered it and can use that.
0: When I was first learning to code, I found that I kind of thought books was where I was had to go. I thought, because all my traditional learning up until that point had, had been using books. And I thought I had to go to the library, pick out a book on computer science and then work through it from beginning to end. I found quite quickly that that, wasn't the best thing to do number one because it was got quite dull after a while Um, and number two because I then later found out that there's uh, so many more resources that are useful did you have a similar experience when you started learning
1: absolutely and and still have that experience now books are great but I sometimes find the information density is overwhelming so there's almost it's almost like they're too useful there's too much in there they're better as reference works rather than to go and learn something that's not where i'd go to learn because i just i don't take it in really um and to make something book length it's going to need to go into more detail than perhaps i'm going to need the first time i try out a new concept or a
0: new language or a new paradigm yeah that's really interesting and i guess we've all got different ways of learning and perhaps books may work for some people but i guess it doesn't work for you i don't want to I don't want to undersell the value of books though i mean i bought a book just before christmas which i found
1: i sort of read over the break and i found Fantastically useful, um, a book called Refactoring UI by Steve Shoger um, And he has a, a blog and a whole series of things where he goes through doing UI design. And for me, having lost touch with my design roots, it's been nice to sort of revisit something with a sort of a proper designer's eye to it. Um, so I've already put some of those techniques into practice at work in the the weeks since Christmas. But um, that's just an instance of having a very specific topic that has sort of been I've had a need in work to to learn a topic or to expand my knowledge i found a specific resource which is a book
0: i've learned I've, I've read that i've put that into practice and it's been great that's really good i have never i've never got through a whole coding book at all uh, i have started a couple um, but there's only one that i've got any decent way through and that was automate the boring stuff by al swaggart and he's kind of he's big in the python world for writing books and things like that especially for well, I don't know if especially for, but he does a lot for younger learners as well. So people, children, things like that. And he does, I think he's done one recently on Minecraft and how you can kind of use turtles and you're writing in a programming language called Lua in in Minecraft. So he's done a lot of good stuff. But what I really like about the book is that he'll explain a topic in depth and he'll go into all the details about it. And then at the end, you then have to, it's kind of like a knowledge check. So he'll give you a project, or there'll be a project in the book that you have to complete uh, while taking all this X, Y, and Z that you've learned in the previous part and actually apply it.
1: I find that even more infuriating than just a generally long book. Uh, having to stop and do tests, that just breaks my flow entirely. I, I've never gotten with that way of doing it. And in fact, any t- any any time there's been even an online course where... <laughs> there's a, an assessment or a test halfway through. I'm like, nah, I cheat. I've, ne- I've never passed a single one
0: of them. <laughs> I completely disagree with you. What? Uh, how can you learn anything from this if you're not actually trying to engage your brain and not just sit there and take it all in? I mean, you, surely you've got to apply the knowledge that you've got. Otherwise, you just forget it all.
1: Oh, that's why I definitely have better results from learning with with videos and all the kind of things that we'll get to later. But specifically within a book or a course context, I get big picture things from that. The way, Where I find books useful is
0: to kind of take a broad view, step back and, and really get a big picture on a topic. I could see your point, but the thing I really get out of it is that it's harder to cheat in a way isn't it if you've got the book there in front of you and you've not got just a tab that you can open you kind of close the internet for a bit and you can just focus on this book and your computer and trying to do this project i find that mm-hmm. then in the moment trying to implement something get your brain working feel the cogs moving around and getting stuck i find that really useful i mean this as i said before this is the only book that i've ever got any length of the way through but i think this idea of Testing yourself and things as you go through is something that I find really useful, and it's something that, as a teacher, is something we're always encouraged to do: is make sure you're checking knowledge, you're testing knowledge. Because the more you think about things, and the more you have to recall it from your own memory, the more it's going to get stuck in there, and the the more useful it's going to be in the long term.
1: I can see where you're coming from. I think we're both we both have the same experience, learn probably. It sounds like we learn in a similar way, but we're just sort of coming at it from different angles different contexts so i learn that way as well and like you say actually using the knowledge putting it into practice that's what makes me remember it and it's i don't use books that way and when i find books useful it's a different
0: context books have got their uses but now in this internet age we've got loads of different resources and one of those is blog posts um so I've found that generally when I'm googling a problem that's when a good blog post will pop up or I'm trying to look for a specific question or something like that um do you have you do you use blogs much almost in exactly the same way you've just described
1: when I first started learning I had a whole well, when google reader was still a thing and I had a whole um list of RSS feeds that I subscribed to and checked every day I would read blog posts on coding kind of just in the order they were written but that's not how i consume them anymore it's definitely a case of i have a very specific problem let's google it and see what comes up and often there are trusted sources within there so there's places like css tricks that you just know are reliable and they've got a reputation you've been there and had good luck in the past or forums that you kind of you kind of know certain people to trust certain people not to um stack overflow is a really tricky one because that turns up all the time that's always the top blog post like They're not really blog posts, are they? But it kind of fits in that same niche. It's more like a Reddit sort of thing,
0: isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The knowledge of the crowd.
1: And it's often very, very specifically correct, but when, but generally wrong in a more complicated way, is my experience. Um, it's good for getting a specific solution, um, but often you have to... It's not where I'd go to learn. It's more a very more about specifics and implementa- implementation details.
0: Yeah, when you're stuck on a very specific problem and you've got an exact question you can ask, I guess it's a really good place to go. Mm. But blog posts are more kind of a bit more broader, aren't they? And they maybe they say we're going to do this using this technology on on this platform. You can follow along as well, and that's why I've really liked about a few, quite a few of the blog posts. Is they're not just a line of text. It's kind of they have got code, code blocks. Put into them, and you can follow along what they're doing on your terminal and your computer as well. And I've, that's something I found very useful from them. But the other, the other way I read blog posts is on Medium. And I know a lot of people don't like Medium.
1: I loved it when it started. I loved it when it was new.
0: Well, it just seems like a very big. Uh, it's got too big, hasn't it? Too big for its boots. It's the d- bars. It's the d-
1: bars. They're just the worst. You can't. It's unusable now. That site. I hate it. Well, three times a
0: month, you're fine, aren't you? Oh,
1: I've not even. I haven't. I haven't even hit that limit. I don't even know. I, I know that that's a reference to like some kind of subscription model. I have been on this own frequently. It's not been an issue. I used to read, uh, used to read Medium every morning. I loved it. And I was, got really, really into it and wanted to work there. I loved the way that they addressed like the underlines for their links and all the stuff that went behind the scenes and the way they were approaching content. It was oh, It was a thing of beauty. And it's just been destroyed by what the blocks that say, "Oh, open this in our app," and oh, you need to subscribe to cookies and all, the, all that kind of stuff. Can you not just open it in the app? Well, I try to, but the app doesn't remember where I was, and and then you have to load the app, and that's like it. I'm already looking at the page with the article I want to read on it. I'm a busy man. Those te- I, I could, I could, yeah, I could be spending those ten seconds playing Space Invaders. All right,
0: okay. Well, I won't mention that again.
1: Let's move quickly on.
0: <laughs>
1: I just got overtook. It, it was. Overrun by think pieces as well. People who were just writing something every day for the sake of writing something,
0: like journalists and authors and people like us. We're just doing a podcast every.
1: <laughs> no, but we've got we've got specific things we want to say, and we're structuring it, and we're not saying everything all at once, and we're not doing it every day. Oh. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to read it if you don't want, Tom. Yeah, but it, oh, it was just just that whole like. Oh well, I spent a day picking up the bins, and this is
0: what I this is what I learned about business from it. No, I don't care. Anyway, sidetrack. So one blog post I came across, and this was something when I was just Googling, because I use Flask in Python, which is a micro framework for making websites, so it just makes it easier to make websites. Um, and I came one, I came across one by Michael Ginsberg, which I'm going to put in the show notes. Uh, but I don't know if it really counts as a blog post, because it's about, I it might be 15 or 20 different posts in a row, kind of as a tutorial so it's kind of blog posts as a tutorial but there's there's lots of them and I, I I went through this and it was fantastic I really learned in depth detail about what I was doing and why I was doing it and that's what I really like in my learning resources is that you get something that explains why you're doing it particularly I found on the video ones it's not really explained much the intricacies behind what's happening whereas in a blog post I guess you've got more time where you can explain in a paragraph people that want to skip it can skip it and it's easier just to skip over a paragraph than maybe have to skip forward 30 seconds in a video
1: yeah it's easier to skip skim reading is easier than skim watching isn't it
0: yes yeah exactly so um, I think that's a, a definite plus for blog posts and written written up mm. uh, tutorials yeah. is my preference personally I don't. I don't really get on with video tutorials that much I prefer the written aspect of it just because I end up getting stuck something will go wrong but then i i quite enjoy having to go back and work out how to do it or which thing did i not which word did i not type out correctly and i've i i I feel like i learn a lot more from the struggle
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh that's it put that on a t-shirt couldn't you yeah i think it's worth here as well giving an honorary mention to documentation um specifically uh I was reading, I spent a lot of time last year in the Gatsby documentation, JS static site builder, put a link in the show notes. And their documentation is great. They have that kind of stepped tutorials that walk you through very specific topics. And um, the same with DigitalOcean for setting up server stuff, which is like a world that I I don't even want to know about it, but sometimes have to. And their documentation is fantastic. And it's very much blog, blog post format, but very, very specifically step-by-step instructions to do something, which is really useful
0: when you need it yeah that's really useful and as well man pages <laughs> are uh, a good go-to in terms of reading resources if you're not sure what's going wrong or why so if you just type if you're not sure about something i think in your terminal you can just write man and then is that right you, you type man and then whatever you're having an issue with and then it tells you about it
1: is it the other way around maybe uh no i think you're right i just never use them I, i'm bad i'm a bad developer
0: so if you type in man into your terminal, it then says, what manual page do you want? And I guess if you've got an issue with something. So if I try man, there you go. So I did man ls, ls for list directory, and then it gives me the name, a synopsis as well, ls, and then it says gives you all the options, the parameters you can add to it, and then a description of what it does. I mean, for ls, I mean, it's quite simple, but I imagine if you're stuck with something else, then that can be a really handy resource.
1: Yeah, and also it's really useful when you're typing a specific command and you've just forgotten... The formatting of the arguments. You say you. I need. I need to say. I need to pipe a destination into this to the output of this code. I don't know how. Whether is it dash v or no? That's that's version. So what is it?
0: Uh, Something else. And I'm just going to add a quick Python tidbit here. It's the same in Python. So if you're in Python, you can just put help open brackets and then type in the method or function that you want to find out about and close brackets. Press enter and then it does a very similar thing and tells you exactly what's going on there. I guess is there something similar in JavaScript? No, not really.
1: <laughs> um, that sounds really useful. Uh, if Java JavaScript has that, i would not come across it. Um, but yeah, I just, I just Google everything. I very rarely use man pages at all. Anyway, you and your terminal and your Vim and your man pages. <laughs> you're but you're already a, already terminal
0: life. That's all you need. Already a better developer than I. Am.
1: <laughs> but moving on, I want to really want to get to what I think of as the the meat of this episode, which are the things that I found really really useful. Um, uh, there are some things that I found more useful than this, but they happen so infrequently that they don't necessarily count as much. This next one is the thing that has had the biggest impact on me, just in volume, and that's
0: video tutorials. I just get on with the way that that format works. Uh, interesting, because I don't... I mean, Yeah, I'm surprised to hear that. There, there was the course I did, which I'm, I'm sure I mentioned it, every episode. yes, episode we've had it every episode have we have had it it's cs50 hey um we should have a little sound effect <laughs> yeah, but we're it. not a sound effect podcast <laughs> so cs50 is a fantastic course but the way they do it is it's kind of an hour lecture and then you get a problem set to do like i was talking about in the when we were talking about books, at the end of the chapter, they had kind of a project you needed to do. It's a similar thing. You watch a video, you take down notes, and then, like a university course, I guess, you then have a problem set to take away for the week and work on. Um, so that I did really enjoy that, but I don't know if it counts as like a video course per se, because when I've come across video courses before, they're okay, but I just feel like I'm not learning that much because I feel like it feels as if they're walking me through it too much and you know me I'm all about the struggle
1: yeah that's uh, that's a, a real issue though that happens with all different formats is that what you are shown is very specific to a certain context and then as soon as you put that into the real world or you change one tiny thing or you're not using one of the dependencies they were using you're using something else everything falls apart that's a really hard balance to find and that's why I like kind of YouTube style tutorials where they're really sh- small and condensed I find I've been doing it long enough now that I can just take out the bits that I want and apply that and I always make a point of converting the simplified context that the video is presenting it in and using it in, like, say, in front end. I've got a Webpack set up. Very often that's not covered by a tutorial. I'll try and put it in my existing workflow in the way that I would use it in the office.
0: That's a good point. I have definitely tried to take things that I've learned in tutorials and things and uh, maybe run them on my own server uh, but it, that takes about ten times as long. Yep, as running through the tutorial itself—that's just so, the, that's the way it works. That's the world. but that's <laughs> that's the way that's the way you learn it, though, isn't it? That's the way having to battle your way through getting it to work. I it, does that come up a lot at, when you've got a job as well? Because I mean, for me, I'm just I'm on my own. I've I've got Stack Overflow, I guess, mm-hmm. but I've not really got anyone that I can ask apart from you, which I'm fortunate but for, But other people might not have that sort of access to someone who's in the industry.
1: Yeah, I think it's a real problem with being on your own. so doing so, going solo, is you don't have that person to turn to and ask a question. Because often it's just like even the asking of a question. Have you, you come across the term rubber ducking? Yes. Yeah, that
0: so. comes up in CS Fifty. Ding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so for those that don't know rubber ducking is when you just have a rubber duck or something on your desk that you hold up and you explain your problem to as if it was a colleague so sometimes we'll call someone over to the desk and say i just need a rubber duck can i explain this to you and you tell the question and then you ask the question or explain what you're struggling with and the very act of doing that is what clarifies it in your mind it's kind of become a meme or a joke but the amount of times it's actually happened and i've been asking someone for help and in the act of asking for help have realized what the problem was the corollary of that is the curse of the demo it's every time you try and
0: show something that's working it breaks yeah i've seen i've seen that happen i've been to a couple of meetups and people have tried to do a talk and it's good though because as an audience member you can you can kind of try and spot the bugs and you get the Mm -hmm. you you realize that everyone gets stuck (laughs) oh yes yeah i suppose
1: technically that's mob programming i found the really early on i watched some videos by um chris coyer who runs the css tricks website and CodePen and a whole load of other things he does a lot of videos where he just records a screen and himself talking over it while trying to do something and he keeps in all the mistakes and all the bugs and all the things that go wrong which i find fantastically useful actually i mean in my mind i would imagine i would want a streamlined happy path of seeing everything work and how it's supposed to go but seeing the specific bugs that they get that people get other people get into seeing how people deal with that as well is just as much a part of doing something as doing it when it all works
0: yeah and I guess what you're learning there is not that not how to fix a specific problem it's but it's how to how to approach bugs and problems when you come across Mm -hmm. them what are the method what's the computational way of thinking about i'm going to check that it's this thing first and then i'm going to move on to this and this i'm not going to go to the end of my problem and you don't write three functions at once and then test them you do one at a time to check that each is working before you move on to the next one
1: yeah yeah i mean it's one of those things that's like step debugging is easy to explain in person but to write it out and
0: explain it in a blog post or a book is much more complicated you want to see someone working through a real world problem you keep mentioning these fantastic video tutorials uh do you have some suggestions for the listeners absolutely um one i've been loving for the last year or so is fun fun function with mpj
1: i um, used to work at spotify now does youtube full time um and he's uh, he's got really he's approached it from a i don't know maybe slightly theatrical background but he's spent some time getting a good lighting setup and he has video of him explaining topics but he also has a good screen share scenario where he you show you see him live coding like the early videos were really short snippets into functional javascript essentially so that's where i really got concepts like map and reduce in javascript just clicked when i watched his videos where i'd struggled with them previously and now i can't believe i ever lived without them um, but as he's gone on as a youtuber he's started doing longer things and more sort of live stream style stuff.
0: The way you finished that sentence you sounded like you found that less useful. Well, no. I They're longer so I don't watch every single one like I used to but
1: the ones that I do watch I find as useful if not more useful because it's exactly what we were just talking about of he is pair programming with someone and they have things go wrong and they have to try and fix them in a time limit. So it's a little bit more real world and you're you're getting that systematic solving of a problem. Yeah, and early, the early videos were explaining concepts succinctly and usefully. And in addition to MPJ's Funtime Function, there's also Level Up t- Tuts. Tuts. I don't know how you say it. Uh, tuts, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. The guy, the, the one that's not Where's Boss from Syntax. I can never remember his name, which is embarrassing. But him. That's a really good channel. I've often found useful things on there. And that's from Googling specific problems. Um, and the same goes for, um, I mean, it's not technically YouTube, but um, Dan Abramov, the Redux. React guy. He's done a really good course on Egghead. I did the course and really enjoyed it. It was about Redux. I never use Redux. I don't like Redux but seeing it explained allowed me to make that decision myself and also seeing the way someone really smart like that codes. You you always pick up good habits. I think it's
0: exposure to real people doing real code is just fantastically useful in all forms. Yeah because I went to a meetup recently and just even someone typing code dot uh, to open Visual Studio Code. <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the current directory I'd always done it from the directory out of it I don't know, just just little stuff um, so do you have to pay for any of those No. so the,
1: those ones are all free the ones that I've just mentioned but there are quite a lot that I have paid for over the years um, I originally had a Lynda subscription Lynda.com which I found fantastically useful when I was learning jQuery in the very beginnings of JavaScript and you know, I just needed to learn what HTML was and how, that kind of stuff that was really useful um, I think Chris Coy had a course on there as well but there were they have staff presenters or professors i guess you'd call them um but linda i mean that's how i learned to use my ds dslr camera my canon camera was watching a course on linda and that's how i learned photoshop that that's one of those instances where it's a big library of resources it would never be cutting edge up to date here's the latest npm module that you can learn all about um it's more like here are the fundamentals of javascript and this is the history of the language and that i found very useful Um, and I mean it's probably worth throwing in a mention to Skillshare as well which is a similar kind of big library more for design and there's a couple of others Uh, Wes Boss who also the other half of Syntax we've already mentioned Scott Talinsky I think is his name off the top of my head there you go we can uh, I'll edit that
0: back in from when you forgot his name earlier
1: no 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 we'll keep it I'll let you have some editing fun with that because I did forget it first but that's true life we shouldn't fake things too much but where's boss's courses they're quite expensive I've bought every single one because they're fantastic Um, I like the way he presents and the way his videos normally work is he has a course which is doing building an entire project and often he's done the CSS beforehand and he's just running through how the JavaScript sets up but then to learn JavaScript fantastic so he's done one on Node which was really good his React for beginners was kind of essential reading for me really that that
0: got me started on my React journey Um, and he's had plenty of others that have been fantastic. Yeah, I've used uh, West Boss one as well, um, the Node one, like you just mentioned. And yeah, they are useful, but I, as I said earlier, I, I've, I'm starting to feel like that is not the best investment of my time in video courses, things like mm. that. That being said, there are a couple of uh, Python things that I've come across, uh, courses that I've, I've found really useful. Um, number one is Mike Kennedy, uh, who does the Talk Python podcast, also does training. And uh, actually, <laughs> through a shout out on Twitter is where I got my email support job. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike Kennedy does Talk Python podcast, and he does the this Talk Python training. So he's got lots of different courses on maybe become a real Pythonista and... 10 projects to help you get started in python things like that so he's done lots of interesting ones and i found the information that's there is really useful and it's like you say seeing him because he just has his screen up Uh, is screen sharing I guess and you just see the way he's working through problems and he says well we need to break oh look this is getting too long now we need to break this up into multiple functions to make it really clear we're going to have different files here and I think just that way of seeing a professional do it is definitely useful this isn't
1: just the sort of thing I like I'm going to have to look that up
0: and then the other one I'm going to give a shout out to is PyBytes which I have just come across and they do this thing on code challenges. They did a recent episode on the Test and Code podcast um, where he was talking about their program and the how they link it into the 100 days of code. PyBytes is a, another good place to learn Python code and you can have different challenges starting at beginner, going all the way to really advanced stuff. And there's a good community behind that and a Slack group and things as well. So I think as well, having that community that you can talk to is really useful when you're doing these courses. And I think most of them may be not linda or skillshare i'm not sure have some sort of community that you can talk to and find answers to problems you come across
1: which is a good segue into the next topic that i've got on the list which is in person things like actually having engaging with human beings it's is by far the best way we've talked about pair programming a lot sort of tangentially through the rest of the episode but um before we talk about that specifically i'd like to just give a quick mention to the few workshops that I've been on not very many but one specifically I went on with uh, with the chap called Kyle Simpson who wrote one of the only books I've ever got all the way through as well JavaScript book called you don't know JS or a series of books Um, uh, we were in a lucky position that um, software Cornwall organization I'm part of was able to get him down to do a paid for workshop a two-day thing down in Cornwall and yeah, that was fantastic. And that, just to get a JavaScript expert to talk about JavaScript for two days and to be able to ask questions and to be there in person and have that back and forth it was phenomenal. I think there were probably about 20 of us or so went to it and it was, yeah, it
0: was brilliant. Like In terms of
1: amount learnt in a period of time, that's got to be the highest density couple of days I think I've had.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, I've never had, unfortunately, I've never had the opportunity to go to a workshop that sounds that quite that intense but that that does sound like a really good way of learning i mean i've been to lots of meetups so every month or every couple of months the the my the best meetup i would say i've been to so far is the london python dojo run by some fantastic people who every month you kind of get together you get pizza you get beer or soft drinks and then you come up with a Projects that you're going to work together like an, a project that can roughly take an hour and a half uh, and then you just go away into little groups of four or five people and then you just work on it together for the for an hour and a half or so and that's really useful because you get a real mixture of people there's people beginners that don't know anything and then there's people that are core contributors to python that turn up there as well occasionally so it's a nice mix
1: and that's a much better and that's like a much closer analog to real world working as well that's kind of the next step up from that is to just work with people (laughs) full-time and and to learn from them that way. Um, So that's a good kind of intermediate to to expand your experience to different fields that you may not have exposure to otherwise. Um, But yeah, the biggest biggest thing by far, bigger than anything else, is pair programming. So actually working on a problem side-by-side with someone. Even if you're not doing sort of driver navigator official stuff, just having someone next to you who knows code or maybe knows more than you, hopefully knows more than you, is the best way to learn. And
0: just before you... Oh, i I guess you've you've already spoken about it i was going to say before you get onto pair programming i just wanted to mention a site called exorcism.io which is a place where it's kind of in between doing a course and pair programming where you kind of get given a mentor and you have to solve a problem um and then you solve it you send it into the website and then you get a mentor that gives you real feedback on your specific problem um i've I've also been teaching on the, well, mentoring on there, um, and even only the lower problems because they, they kind of step up in difficulty as it goes. But having a real person that is more confident on your language than you, and this exism.io uh, is for all different languages but the kind of the work ethic of the people that run it is fantastic and the amount of work they put into this free platform where you can get a real mentor to help you is is really good so i I want to give a big shout out to them as well and teaching it has helped me learn it as well
1: well that fits perfectly into the sort of pair programming section anyway because a lot of people particularly when you're learning don't have access to the single biggest resource that everyone who's working has and so programs like that that give you the chance to have a bit of exposure to other human beings and have that kind of mental relationship um, yeah they're essential for people who aren't actually in a work environment yet because that's a pr- that's a privilege really I think it, it helps feed the cycle of once you get, once you get a job you're just going to start you're just going to keep learning more and more and get more successful yeah
0: as soon as you've got that job the learning is going to be exponential if you want it to be I would hope <laughs>
1: yeah I think it's definitely the hardest you're at the hardest part at the moment where you've got to make the time to do it in the first place and then also you don't have the easy access to all the like the most useful resources
0: which are people i also want to talk about podcasts but i feel like that might be better to have maybe an episode of its own because i listen to quite a few podcasts but they are in themselves kind of a learning resource that's true yeah maybe we should save that for another time i've i've learned a lot just from listening to podcasts and it's i would
1: of... i would agree i have done exactly the same and i would say yeah let's save that for another time
0: because I could talk about podcasts hours, obviously because I love yeah. podcasts <laughs> I wouldn't be yeah so the uh, final thing to say is thank you again for listening um, please do tell your friends and family and anyone you know or anyone you walk past on the street about our podcast uh, and get them to listen and subscribe and rate and all those things and of course you can follow us on Twitter at AQO Code and Ed Python
1: and Thomas Hazardine I guess is you and me on Twitter and yeah links in the show
0: notes Be sure to follow us and thanks for listening. See ya. Bye. So we've got to say that without the swear word in it because otherwise we have to mark our episode explicit. No, you just have to learn how to uh, beep it out, I think. You want me to beep it out? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I remember to do that.